2: Good evening and welcome to Hooked, Joy 94.9's new program about addiction. Research shows that the LGBTI community has addiction problems of at least twice that of the general population and we want to explore why and how this has come about. There are many suffering addiction, many more that are affected by those in active addiction and people that are grateful in recovery. My name is David. Good evening, my
3: name's Russ. Now, what are some of the reasons behind this problem? Are there pathways towards recovery and change? How does addiction affect loved ones, family members and partners of those in active addiction? You know, we're not experts here, David, in no, this we're field, not, but, but we are a couple of friends who both happen to be in recovery ourselves. We believe that there is a need for conversation in our community about addiction.
2: Ah, uh, yes, you're right. And if you'd like to join us in that conversation, you can SMS us anytime on 0427 JOY 949 or email us at onair at joy.org.au or hooked at joy.org.au. We've got our own email address. If you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or lifeline.org.au or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36 So, we've got a pretty jam-packed show tonight. It's
3: very exciting, isn't it, David? I know tonight we're going to be talking about psychoactive substances. Yes,
2: and of course... Yes, yes. What else are we going to be talking about? And we're going to be
3: talking a very important um, uh, addiction, self-harm. So, before we start the show this evening, I think it could be um, good if anyone out there would like to send in a question or questions about self-harm or psychoactive substances. Again, those numbers that they can reach us on are...
2: 0427 joy 949 that's it or on air or on at of course exactly
3: both very important topics tonight and thank goodness we've got experts in that we can discuss this matter with
2: now also to, well tonight we yes. do have a guest um uh, to do with self-harm but we also have uh the debut tonight of nurse betty oh isn't and, she uh, fabulous i know she is and nurse yeah. betty is going to be presenting I've seen her credentials do you know what
3: nurse betty is going to present
4: of the Week!
3: Good evening, Nurse Betty. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well indeed, thank you. Now, just to qualify, you are a, um, a nurse?
4: <laughs> <laughs> kind of comes with the title, I think. Exactly. <laughs> yes, I'm a nurse. I work in mental health. Good. And I work in... Um, a lot of our work is with co-occurring illnesses... Used to be known as dual diagnosis, mental health, and substance misuse or substance use.
2: Okay, and tonight we're going to talk about psychoactive substances. And mm. a
4: psychoactive
2: substance, in case anybody's wondering, is any drug or food that affects mental ability, activity, or processes or mood and that goes really basically from caffeine to heroin but what are you going to talk about tonight nurse betty
4: we're going to talk about well i'm going to talk about specifically what they call the new psychoactive substances that fall basically into four categories you've got your stimulants you've mm-hmm. got your hallucinogenics and there the hallucinogenics are psychedelics nbomb 5meo adult and 2c and the dissociatives such as Mexi. so then you've got so then you've got your stimulants you have hallucinogenics then you've got your depressants and they're mostly the the opioids you'll have heard of drugs like fentanyl there's a there's a lot there's a lot of um well they they're called analogs but they're versions of 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 a substance are they
2: mainly just prescription type no
4: not at all no No. these are these are fentanyl is a a a drug that's used as an anesthetic in Uh in um in surgery in fact i had some myself i had a Uh, this thing on my head was treated and i was put out with fentanyl and i could totally understand why people get addicted to it right um and then there are the benzos the other depressants are the benzos diclazepam you'll have heard of diazepam but diclazepam (laughs) flubro pronunciation flubromazepam so there's a range of of drugs that actually put they kind of lower people's moods and, and, you know, make them... They used to be known as anxiolytics, but they kind of calm people down.
2: So they're the depressants?
4: There are Well, no, these are all psychoactive substances. Okay. So, so the names are, are different. They're, there's names like Spice, K2. We're talking about... Because the fourth category that I haven't mentioned yet is the cannabinoids. Uh-huh. And that's the synthetic cannabis stuff that was used before... 2017 was known as legal highs herbal highs party pills you know those kinds of things which in in 2017 were all made illegal they were legal they you could buy them from sex shops and places like that but now that in as i say in, in australia in 2017 there was a new law passed which made them all illegal
3: now cannabinoids i am um, uh, am in recovery myself mm-hmm. and um, met a, a man who was uh, totally addicted to cannabinoids yep what is the attraction is it uh, i i i get the whole thing about smoking marijuana and and what that does to you but what what are the effects and what should be
4: avoided with regards to cannabinoids well to be honest with you the the fact that the the cannabinoids are synthetic which means that they're man-made then cannabis is a natural chem you know so it's yep. a plant it grows in, and, in nature and that's
3: they're used for um, um recreation it's and health, health and it's well. used
4: yes. for a lot of things and and we know that the chemical makeup of cannabis is really complicated Yes, there's a lot of belief that um you know the the media kind of say things like um cannabis can't cause psychosis. But but for some people it can. And mm, what right. what we know is that we all react very differently and we all have very different tolerances and, you know, thresholds for things like psychosis.
2: Well yeah, you only need to meet perhaps a long-term loo- user yep. that has actually uh, been using in ever increasing amounts over a very long period and, yep. and that psychosis is pretty evident
4: it, it is but it's not guaranteed no not ev- it doesn't happen to everybody it's the same with all the you know not everybody that smokes get cancer my mum was a close to 50 a day up until Mm -hmm. the 60s Mm -hmm. and she's never had an episode of cancer in her life she stopped smoking when she was in the 60s because she had a heart attack which was possibly you know exacerbated by the smoking but no cancer no lung disease what what we know is that nobody is affected the same and the people as, as much as we know there are people who use cannabis who become psychotic who mm-hmm. need more and all that the addictive kind of tendencies there are also lots of people who use it without ill effects without major side it, effects
2: it's funny you know Speedy, because you're talking about the cannabinoids and certainly the synthetic ones yeah. is this what we're talking about as far as medicinal cannabis is concerned no. is that synthetically produced no no
4: can d- the the stuff that they're using for medicinal cannabis is plant grown it's the the stuff that occurs in nature
2: so where where does synthetic cannabis come from
4: well synthetic cannabis was kind of created i'm not hundred percent sure of the of the history but it's it was created out of these drugs have been around for a long time so you'll have heard of meow meow mephedrone that first synthesized in 1929 Wow! so it's been around for a very long time but it kind of had a resurgence and and the interesting thing about these drugs is, like for instance, Bzp or bzp benzl pi- pi- piperazone was first used as a livestock wormer, right and it was commonly used on farms it was It was used for pigs it was used but, but the, the bit that I find fascinating and strange is this idea of who was it that first thought, oh." <laughs> Livestock wormer, I'll give that a go. Yeah, you know, I'm, like, a, I'm
2: a farmer. Yeah. I'm just going to give this a go. Yeah. Wow, this is fantastic. Hey, it, I might sell it to my friends.
4: Did he spill a bit on his finger? You know, well, did no, I think I
3: can help you both out there because what happened, I agree with you, who would have been the farmer that would have taken it? However, what did happen was these guys all got published, these scientists. Right. And so in the journals that these scientists published were actually how this thing was made and what the side effects were. Right. Then the naughty people out there decided, well, I might well, try that, and mm-hmm. I'll give that a go. And they had their homemade labs even way back in the twenties and the thirties, yeah. and they um, and they mass produced. You're them sure
2: it them. wasn't a case of, oh, I'm a little bit itchy, I might have worms. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I wish it
3: was that simple. Okay. I wish it was, but they did get published in medical journals, and that's what was born from those medical journals. The uh, the naughty people read those journals, and then they made their own little um, labs and a But who went.
4: worked out what they did? This is a bit that I find. Well, the scientists, I
3: believe. So they were experimenting. Yeah, they were experimenting way
4: back then. I know there was a... Um, I know we're not talking about it tonight, but well, I know there was a video, and you can actually find this on YouTube, that the, um, I think it was the British Army mm. used LSD, and they were, they yeah. were looking at it. The and there's, there's a video clip where they actually gave... They sent these soldiers off on a, on a reconnaissance mission, or it was a pretend mission. But they gave them all LSD and, and within sort of like an hour or so, the mission had gone to pieces and people were sitting sure. in, you know, in the grass looking at trees and things like that.
2: So tell me, Nurse Betty, <laughs> when do these uh, psychoactive substances become a problem?
4: I would say, and, and you know, you've got to remember that what I do for work is, is, is this kind of yeah. conversation. We have these conversations all the time. And my personal opinion, and it's not something that I'm necessarily 100% sure of but I generally tend towards the idea that they're a problem if they cause you a problem mm-hmm. if they interfere with your life what we talk about the difference between neurosis and psychosis we're all a bit neurotic we all if you think about things like OCD you know we can all worry about did we turn the iron off you know have we locked the door those kinds of things and we know we did you know we might have a picture of it but it becomes problematic if you can't get out the house because you need to wash your hands 200 times Mm -hmm. or you can't get to work because you keep going back to check so my sense and again this is just personal take on it is if if you can enjoy life people drink people smoke and it doesn't cause you problems so be it When they cause you problems, when your life turns to shit, when you can't hold down a relationship, when you can't keep a job, those are the kinds of times that that substance use... And, you know, once upon a time we talked about substance abuse. Mm -hmm. The PC world that we live in now, we don't talk about abuse anymore because the idea of someone abusing anything or any any anyone is is really not recovery focused it's not good for people it's not good for their self esteem so the language that we use now is substance use and substance misuse
2: yeah so it's more to do with when these substances start start to take over life i mean for instance if if somebody was taking something once on the occasional weekend that possibly i mean i'm not going to condone it but no. at the same time it isn't necessarily seen as a problem but when you get to the end of a, a whole weekend of use and all you're looking forward to after the remorse and the regret on the monday morning of having to go back to work and all you're looking forward to is friday next weekend um then obviously there there must be some sort of serious problem coming up because yeah. in our community as a gay community where you know people constantly say oh yeah well they really like to party and they like to party hard yeah. but uh, there's a there's not exactly a fine line. There's a, a line between where it goes from that to the the abuse. I yeah, suppose. but then we get well, into the whole. Misuse.
4: Then we get into the whole kind of mental health stuff around. Mm-hmm. You know, what's driving that behaviour? What is it that causes someone to live? You know, from Friday to Sunday, and then exist from Sunday to Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, there's there's reasons, and we know that you know the therapies and all mental health is really. But substance use is one of the mental health challenges that people deal with, okay. and our community struggle you know we're, we're from day one we're taught maybe not so much now but but our generation particularly we were taught that we 're not right that we 're not like others we don't fit we don't belong mm. we're not good enough there's no wonder that a lot of people grow up damaged
3: yeah i've got a question for you with regards to your um a statement about how um you know synthetic cannabis um, now is illegal yep so that then um, in my mind um, and i'm i you know, I'll try anything once, so I'm one of I'm one of those. You
4: know, that, there's that, no such thing as a safe drug. Let's be clear about oh, that. Oh, absolutely, I agree with you. I agree with you 100. But
3: isn't that then dangerous now that it's no longer legal? Because you're looking at then, you don't know where these things are being made. So it's yep. it's it's then pushed all the way back to um, backyard labs and all of that sort of stuff. So totally. now you whereas before previously was it. Was it safer to use
4: or? Well, I'll just repeat, there's no such thing as safe drugs, but they were manufactured, they came with labels, you know, what was on them, you know, was, was known. Yes. But you really, I mean, you're on the edges of the whole thing about the war on drugs.
1: Yes.
4: Did prohibition work? No. no. Of course it didn't. But we still practice prohibition on all all the other substances.
2: And then we can get into the whole debate about, which we've seen a lot of on the news over the last week or so, which is about pill testing. testing. And yep. really, you know, I mean, that's another can of worms, and there's different opinions on both sides. Look, we're going to come back in a moment, and uh, we're going to talk to our guest about self harm after this break. <laughs>
1: on Joy.
3: You're listening to Hooked with Dave and Russ. Join Only 4.9's program about addiction. If you're experiencing immediate problems, or if the content of this program raises issues that causes distress, you can call Lifeline on one three double one one four. That's Lifeline on thirteen eleven fourteen. Or you can call Beyond Blue on one 46 36. That's one three hundred two two four six three six four Beyond Blue. Dave, you, get, you are getting better at this. I'm trying to. It's not easy being a, an evening DJ. I'm used to lunchtime on a saturday when i'm <laughs> wide awake but, but gosh the show this program is is much needed in the community what are we discussing tonight please david well, as we mentioned
2: before we're going to talk about self-harm if you do have any questions or if you have any input 0427 join 949 if you want to send a text now people define self-harm in lots of different ways usually self-harm is defined as someone deliberately hurting themselves without wanting to die it's sometimes called deliberate self-injury or non-suicidal self-injury engaging in self-harm may not mean that someone wants to die it's a behavior that's used to cope with difficult or painful feelings tonight we're joined by tosh welcome to joy 94.9 g'day how are you it's great to have you here look we really appreciate you coming in to talk about self-harm i thought i'd open up we've got nurse betty on hand because <coughs> as as russ and i are constantly say we're not experts in this field but like at what sort of age did you start harming yourself <laughs> That's that's a really interesting
0: question. I mean, I, I'm I'm very glad you began with the stingers about because this is a a topic that I've found and and through talking anecdotally that is an issue of extreme graphic nature and one that's very easily triggered. So, I, I'm trying trying to be very conscious to be, but let's put it this way: my my first attempt on my own life was at aged eight, um, and self-harm became a thing later on I used to enjoy picking at myself through through high school but um, I'll tell you what it's you know it's a little bit like could you ever remember your first drink could you ever remind, remember your first time having a cigarette a little bit like that I don't remember the first time but I remember the first time I experienced it and and didn't want the feeling to go away I just finished high school I felt very much on my own I didn't know where I was going in life for some reason that thought appeared in my mind. Uh to Harm and from there it was almost a daily thing for the next four years or three odd years after that and this was in uh when I was eighteen years old, so twenty fifteen, yeah.
2: You could hear a pin drop in the studio at the moment because, I mean, it's just awful that you were at that stage even at eight years old Mm -hmm. and then to continue on. I noticed that uh, research shows that um, for each age group, um, female rates of self-harm exceed that of males Mm -hmm. and the highest rates for females are in the 13 to 24 age group and for males between the 12 and 34 age group, so a little bit longer in males. Is that the sort of uh, thing that, Nurse Betty, you would find in cases that would present to you
4: we know we, we tend not to see that kind of stuff in in child services I, i'm almost as um impressed and fascinated by this subject as you are because my experience with self-harm is typically a, as, as a symptom of a borderline personality disorder which gets a, a lot of bad rap it's a, it's one of the um the the, the most challenging mental health issues that people have to deal with i wouldn't in my years of working i wouldn't have seen any literally any kids of that age because my my work has been mostly mostly in the youth adolescence and and adult areas but i've not i'm not familiar with this as a as an addiction
2: but at the same time it's something tosh that you would be certainly keen to hide
0: yeah i I mean part of me is deeply surprised by that that concept that you could work in this field and not be shown about it but i mean part of the reason why i'm here is well it's very difficult to talk about but thinking back on my childhood and into my later years to now it was a story i never heard Mm. and it was a story Mm. i I was i very much identify with that concept of dual diagnosis i was a sick man on very very many fronts um But of all the things that I wanted to hide, this was it. Mm. It was the hardest thing to hide and it was the thing that carried the most shame uh, and I tried very hard to hide it for a long time.
4: And it was interesting that that you talked about the idea of being, uh, your recollection of being really lonely and, and being very isolated because one of the current beliefs, strong beliefs when we're working with substance misuse is there's there's a quote that flies around the opposite of addiction is not sobriety it's connection Mm. and it's a a johan Hari quote the guy that wrote chasing the scream and it just speaks to so many many of the guys and many of the people that we worked with that the journey to addiction is a journey of pain and a journey of loneliness and sadness Mm. whatever the addiction is you know wherever whatever the source is what we know when we listen to people's stories is they're talking about hurt mm. they're talking about pain so when we get the you know the the rampant sort of right-wing na- nasty people saying you know horrible things they're actually victimizing victims you know yeah. they're already the people who end up the people who are on the streets the people who are you know struggling with their use those are already people that are extremely badly damaged and hurt
2: now I've got stupid question number one Uh, Tosh how does pain make you feel good Uh, (laughs) it
0: it, good is such an operative term Um, it made me feel right (coughs) Um, it was it was the desired the word it made me feel like a person again gets thrown around a lot Mm. I'm not so sure about that um because i am not damn sure i didn't ever feel like I wanted to be a human, but um it, it just it felt correct yeah, and once you find something that makes you feel more like you have this sense that you want to be then you uh i mean i 'll put this out here openly i'm i was as surprised as anyone when I discovered that i that it as I mentioned before I had another like a completely separate addiction um to go with it, and when I discovered after entering recovery for that that I was very much hooked on my own terms to mm. self harm I was shocked mm. I, I didn't know how it was a whole nother thing yeah that I didn't realize how I just just assumed they were correlated, but it was its own thing and it was, yeah. it was its own journey now to keep away from
3: yeah can i just interrupt and ask what did you do to yourself and what made you choose that form of self-harm and you don't have to answer any questions no 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 no, uh,
0: of, of course um no it's um what did i do to myself well it started off with you know um and i'm again again i'm apologizing if this is um uh, you know too graphic in advance to anyone but um, you know I started off with knives because that's what I had on hand and in many ways like we say to ourselves "Oh, no, no, I don't want to move on to smoke cigars no I don't want to move on to drink bourbon at 9am yeah. in the morning I said no I don't want to be that guy who uses razor blades well yeah. I mean it turned into that very rapidly because it was just an effect that I tried once and couldn't give up hmm. um, you know it was <laughs> it was cleaner it was um, it And you know, you want to talk about you know sickness and my 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 mental obsession with this thing. I thought it was the right way to do it. Mm. Thought it was the cool way to do it. Well, there was of course no right (laughs) way to do it. There was no healthy way to do it at all. But Mm. my mind was tricking myself into the into basically finding any way to continue that.
2: Okay, I've got stupid. I've actually got stupid question number two, um, which I, I wrote down earlier did you have, and I I don't know, hopefully this isn't distressing, but did you have a little kit? Did you bring it out? Did you, what did it consist of? Like, Um, were there favourite instruments?
0: (laughs) Yeah, look, I I I really don't want to give anyone ideas, so I will say, I will say yes, I did. I considered it very ritualistic up to a point, up to the latter months of, uh, of my drinking and certainly the worst months of my self-harming uh that ritual went out the door but before then uh and again it comes back to those analogues it was uh, oh uh, it's a special occasion i'll make a special deal out of it mm. well it wasn't very long until every day was a special day mm. was it so um yeah but you know
3: did yeah. it take away the emotion and the pain
0: Yes, it's funny. It, um, it's it's not easy for me to be talk- here talking about this. Obviously, I mean, again, it's I'm motivated. It's pretty by brave. That. Well, I'm motivated by that reminder that you know when I was there, I felt so alone. Yeah,
4: yeah.
0: Um, and having had anyone talking about it would have been a damn sight better than no one talking yep. about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like. Sorry, what was the question? I'm a bit sick of it. Sorry. No, no, no. You're you're
3: perfectly fine. What i what are, uh, people in addiction are are um, are running away from feelings and emotions. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So I was just curious: is did it take away the pain that you were um, that you were feeling with emotions and feelings?
0: Um, I it, it was this cross dimensional thing it was i i wanted it to remind myself that i could feel pain mm. uh because i of very like early on i only did it when i was pretty well numbed out by other things anyway um but you know at the end of the day it was almost like this test like um it did come to remove the pain which was weird but it was that kind of anxiolytic like i I, I, this is my pain as a human it was the pain was taken away in that i was finally feeling like i was right Mm. that conceptual uh existential anxiety was removed instead by real pain Mm.
4: and it speaks really clearly i worked with the the thing i remember most about working with people who self-harm a young woman in a 20s 23 24 she and i were talking one night about how when she's in a dark space her life was um peppered with episodes where she would become what she called them her dark spaces and she said when i'm in my dark space i am numb i am mm-hmm. completely numb i have no feelings mm-hmm. i can go through days of not even knowing whether i'm alive or not
2: mm-hmm. and That's
4: she so- said when when i when i hurt myself when i see the blood." At least I know I'm alive, yeah. well, and that's just a pretty take a strong. little bit of a break
2: because it is getting a little bit heavy. Yeah, yeah well, it certainly
3: so, is. <laughs> I think we, we before we do that, we um, should clarify the fact that um, you know we have got really heavy here. But Tosh, you, you got help and everything is Absolutely. great for you today, and, and we're going to come back and talk about that more after the
1: yeah. break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: This
2: is Hooked on Joy 94.9. Yes, it is. You are listening to Hooked with David and Russ, Joy 94.9's program about addiction. If you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on thirteen eleven fourteen 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36 because we are talking about self-harm tonight and our guest is Tosh. Uh, who is relating his story about self-harm. And also we have Nurse Betty on hand as well in case Russ or myself need to uh, get some Very nursing help. Yeah, that. exactly.
4: You know, did I tell you guys that I failed my CPR. OK. Well, <laughs>
2: Tosh, hopefully you Grr. have something happening.
4: Oh, it's been a while. Now, <laughs> it's been
2: quite a graphic conversation about your self-harm mm-hmm. and what you actually did. Yeah. Um, I was wondering whether... does it Does it tie back in with your sexuality? Well, I mean...
0: I mentioned before the break that it's it was about this feeling of and I mean I'm not relating on behalf of all people who this is a very complex matter and it mm. happens for all sorts of reasons um and that's what other sufferers have uh, you know related to me but um let's just put it this way around about the time that I started so earlier on in high school where do I find myself? I find myself pining after a woman and then also falling in love with a boy in the hockey team I mean it was not this great mix for feeling involved and um, you know at the right place in high school Um, I'd, I'd moved a staggeringly large amount as a child. uh, My family was in the military. We moved around a lot. Um, I didn't have a lot of time to discover who I was as a person and then I did a lot of discovering at once and it Mm. wasn't very comfortable. Um, And let's just put it this way. It built up to this fact that for, well, until I entered recovery, I never felt right about who I was as a person and I'm not saying that anyone in my youth you know said to me you are wrong as a person or anything mm. like that but you know i was different i was different from the people around me i was different from the kids who i hung out with um and i was used to dealing with those problems on my own yeah um, and i didn't have those problems to anyone else uh that i'm sure nobody needs reminding is not a great way to deal with any anxieties no. or mental concerns
3: no Guaranteed to make everything worse. Yeah. So, Tosh, um, what made you reach out in the end then? You're, uh, you, know, you you've said that you felt different, um, which caused you to self-harm. Mm. What made you reach out in the end? Um, what was your rock bottom, so to speak?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was lucky. I had my progress, my descent, I should almost definitely say, was incredibly rapid uh, from the end of high school until uh, age 20. Um, was monumentally fast. Uh, and as a result, I still had people left in my life mm. who hadn't given up on me yet. And um, for that, I was incredibly lucky. But, I mean, I did I did want to mention, like, it's... You know, we can, we, we've we been talking a lot about substance use on this show and I'll, I'll relate an anecdote that, you know, puts... Which makes me feel comfortable relating these stories on a show about substance use. Like, I remember speaking to my partner late one night coming into uh september uh august or september 2017 and uh, her saying desperately um i will uh i i'm gonna take the razor blades away and i turned to them and you know pretty violently said if you take them away from me i'll just smash this bottle open and use that instead
4: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know it and when i came into recovery when i got home from rehab um i threw out the 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 drug paraphernalia the, the 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 bottles quick smart but it took me three weeks to throw out the razor blades mm. um, I did not feel comfortable without them in the house
4: yeah
0: um, how did I get into recovery I was I was saved I was put into I was uh, I was put into rehab and uh, that that jolt was so sharp um, in between suffering to all of a sudden being I mean coddled a bit in rehab but all of a sudden just not in immediate danger that I just happen to hang on for dear life I mean I will openly admit that that fear saved me for a long fear of going back to how I was mm-hmm. saved me for a long time in those first few months until I could get it together to build uh, the life that I saw other people had for myself um, but you know I was, I was just lucky I did reach out I said to I said to my partner um, I, I can remember saying that's it uh, I'm I'm, I'm done. Uh, I th- like I'm. I was giving away all my, like I was giving away all my things. I was giving mm. away my money. I didn't think I would make it to my 21st birthday. Mm. I remember attending dinner for my 21st, and it being a very awkward affair. I didn't know what to say. I never planned to get that far, um, but I mean, just think about that. Like I still had people to go to a birthday dinner with. I was lucky, and I reached out, and I just said, luckily, not just to myself, but to another person, enough is enough.
3: And did <laughs> that person know that that you were self-harming? Um, that, my, my
0: partner absolutely did. They were they were fiending after it for years. Mm. They knew I'd been, and I put them through absolute torture, but um, luckily, my mother was in the picture, and she works in health. Yep. She didn't have an idea at all, but the benefit, again, chance grace whatever you want to call it when she found out it was straight back to being a doctor it was logistics triage all the things yeah. that needed to get me so in right away so was the rehab actually a circuit breaker and what absolutely happened, what
2: happened in there that actually break that cycle <laughs> well it's funny because i'm on here to talk
0: about self-harm and that cycle didn't actually end in rehab um my, you know, because going into rehab, I, I was I was diagnosed borderline psychotic. Going in, I was I was hearing things, I was seeing things that weren't real. I was I was really at the end of my rope, and it it was it was what I needed. It, it detox. It's a bit weird to think about now because it's what well, it f- feels like such a strange portion of my memory. But it was exactly that. It was a break. It was the longest break I'd ever taken off any kind of substance. I think in the period of use for all sorts of things, I the longest break I had was four... Like, no, altogether I had about four or five days right. of no substances.
4: In, in your journey, Tosh, has there ever been a, a why or a why me factor to, to, to oh. the recovery?
0: Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I mean, we've come out of a very difficult period, haven't we? Anybody who's listening to this show and related to any part of it will need no reminding that we've just come out of a very difficult period for two reasons there's the pressure to have fun and the fact that you know everybody's putting on their best mm. uh and very well either, <coughs> either putting it on or not putting it on that's true and but you're just seeing it right you know you're exposed to the social so
4: media yeah, yeah.
0: and just spending time with um people who are having fun and certainly i sit there and i go well, why can't I be like them? Yep. Ordinary people. Mm. I don't know what's going into these people's heads. None yeah. of us do. You oh, I was lying. Yeah, well, correct. Because yeah, yeah. God knows I did. But you sit there and you go, why can't I enjoy my life like these other people? But <laughs> Christ, I mean, if, if it. I, I'm still too early on in this in this pace of my life to, to make any comment as to why, but I, I must be on it for a reason. It's a damn sight better than the cards I would dealt previously. Mm. So if it has to be me, I guess we do the, the hard things and keep working on it day by day in order to, you know, <laughs> maintain any semblance of, you know, being an, uh, a good... A, a you know just a happy memory of society not yeah. even a memory of society just be happy yeah, Go yeah. live in a forest yeah. i don't care just be a happy person
4: and you <laughs> talked about your family were they like and again you don't have to we haven't negotiated whether this is an okay area <laughs> but but were your family around have they been significant players in it or uh in in recovery uh
0: yeah not so much again um not so much they're there for me and it's a wonderful thing but um but not so much. No, no. Okay. I mean, if, the, if you if you've got them if you've got them around, they love you. It's it's wonderful. But I mean, no, that's a weird one. I don't really consider that much. I'm, I have them more in my life now than I did. That's yeah. a great thing. Yeah.
4: Yeah, um,
0: yeah, But it's no, I wouldn't call it. It was the last thing I was thinking about when I was drinking, drug, and and I can tell you that much. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I know. There's. there's I mean, I think there's this kind of. Walton's, you know, idea that that families are always perfect and they'll always love you and they'll always accept you. Well they can look perfect. (laughs) Exactly. And we know how true that really is for most people. Yeah, that's
2: right, John Boy and Nurse Betty. We're gonna come back (laughs) in a moment after this break. on Joy. Yes, you are listening to Hooked on
3: Joy with Russ... Dave, yes, that's right. Tosh, a quick question before we move on to hope. Yes, um, I, uh, your um, drinking, drugging, and self-harming—did yeah. you see all of that as interrelated and intertwined? Was was one connected to the other? And
0: <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I did, and that's why I mentioned earlier that I was so—I was as shocked as anybody else to find out it was an in- independent thing, which required its own independent work to stop. Yeah. I, I can tell you now, I have, I have. I have self-harmed more recently than I've had a, a drink or a drug. I can tell you that, and that—that that shocked me. You know, you know it. I, I did see it as all intertwined, and more importantly, you know, um, part of me, part of me was furious when my life got better when I gave up uh, the drinks drink specifically, because I didn't want it to be that. Right. I was furious that it wasn't everything else I'd built it. Up all my problems to be. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I remember. And society
4: doesn't help with that either. No,
0: and you know, I'm a I'm a young man. I'm 21 now. It was not the outcome I wanted to discover mm. that um I you know I couldn't have a nice you know cold pinger on the weekend. You know, <laughs> um, but yes, it, it was all intertwined. But then it wasn't in recovery. You know, it was it was it was a particularly nasty situation because. Uh, exposure to any one of those three things led to all three of those yeah, things. Right. but in recovery they're they're their own beasts yes. that require their own you know work to to
2: cessate. Yeah. And if you take drugs and alcohol out of the picture, yeah, you're still going to be uh, feeling emotions oh, and yeah. feelings. yeah uh, so maybe it was just a hangover from that sort of area if you continued with the self-harm. Well, um, your
3: old friend
0: yeah it was it was it was one of those things i I told myself i'm thinking of one specific occasion that i won't go into detail about other than well it was interesting because we we talk about these kind of triggers and it was for me i was at work i sustained a small cut on my hand and i was very you know just a nick that i sustained through my line of work um and i was having a not great week a not great week i didn't think of taking a substance at all but within two... Well, within about five to ten minutes, I was in the work bathroom with a tomato knife, you know, and it, it just got me, just like that. And it was that, you know, what we've all told ourselves many lies, but the lie I told myself then was, oh, it's, it's not like the others. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not going to ruin my life. How, how insane is that? The lie I told myself about cutting myself, and apologies again to keep going back to that, but was that it's not harmful for Mm. me unlike the other substances but
4: you believe that i did yes in in an
0: instant it was all i needed to hear and it was the obsession was there in a heartbeat yeah and And unable to be stopped
4: and i I think you know i'm oversimplifying this by a million miles but it falls into the category of immediately you tell someone don't do something you know don't do this don't drink don't mm. have that extra drink mm. don't have the extra pills don't hurt yourself mm. the minute you tell somebody that you you know you've lost them mm. you've yeah. stopped being you've stopped trying to engage with them and listen to them and you know and to hear what it is that they're trying to tell you mm.
2: correct it's funny i'm i'm been looking at the, uh, you know, we mention Lifeline quite often as as one of the great support um, services that are available to anybody twenty four seven, and you know, it's crisis support and suicide prevention. They have actually got a section on self harm, and they have got a few suggestions for people that may actually be having difficulty. I mean, it's an amazing resource, and it's not necessarily mm. going mm. to be a cure, but it, it would probably help people. Mm. Uh, they say number one to talk to someone that you trust. Mm. Uh, Number two, to recognise when you do and don't self-harm. Number three, to distract yourself. Well, that's probably easier said than done, but nevertheless, uh, they put that in there. Number four, to write it down, which would be keeping some sort of self-harm diary. And number five, to get help by visiting your GP, who would probably refer you on somewhere else. Uh, What do you think of those sorts of suggestions, uh, Nurse Betty?
4: Look, I I think the issue is really about... The externalizing of of what 's going on is really important, so the journaling and the diary and, and writing things down is is about is, is about getting you know the the inner turmoil and the inner turbulence out but what what we 're talking about really is the idea i I sit here and, and i 'm listening to to Tosh talking about self harm and hurting himself, wondering how many people and if people who are listening or people who heard him tell the story, their immediate reaction would be, oh, my God, he's hurting himself. We've got to stop him. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's completely the wrong thing to do because the minute you focus on the behaviour, you stop listening and stop hearing the problem.
2: Well, those those sorts of um, suggestions are really for the person that may actually be isolating. I expect self-harmers would isolate as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we can't forget also, you know, such as uh, your partner, because we've talked about it before on this program, that there are people that are affected by those with um, those sorts of tendencies yep. in addiction. And yep. they're the people that also really need to look after themselves as well. Yeah.
3: So, Josh, out of curiosity, you know, one of the things that we recognise that people um, who would be listening to this show is that fear around seeking help yeah Um, now did you feel judged were you afraid to seek help and (laughs) and um how did you find the resources that were um, at your disposal um
0: absolutely i felt afraid um specifically i think there were there were so many fears tied up in it but i think the one in hindsight that was most prevailing was the idea that if i talked to somebody about it they'd take it away from me right Mm. Uh, and I did not know how to conceptualise a life without it, as is the case for so many different types of addictions. But and speaking about if there's anyone listening who was or is affected by this, then if there's um, any... the Half of the reason why I'm here is to say two words and that's, or a couple of words and that's just say talk to somebody, mm. anybody. Mm. And uh, also that you're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, to to, to have heard... I'm not saying that I'm some, you know great orator of the times, but if I had have heard my own story at any point, or mm. just any story mm. that was like, that came to explain a little bit of how I felt at the time, like, just, it would have helped, anything that would have helped. It's, stigma affects all facets of yeah. LGBT life, bloody, like, adi- like the, those, the lives of those affected by drug and substance abuse, but, you know, in my head, this... Self-harm, this crippling, like, kind of just depressive cycle seems to be affected by the stigma so much more in my head. I don't know why. I obviously can't corroborate that. But it's... There's no, you know, sadder memory in my mind than, uh, you know, some of those nights alone... Um, you know it's it's a, a place i would truly wish upon nobody and so much of that is helped not everything but so much of it is helped by just talking to someone else because then you're not
2: on your own this was something we talked about certainly when we covered 12-step programs before christmas where people were actually identifying with other people Mm. that are in a similar situation and Mm. that was certainly part of the pathway to their recovery because they realize that they're not alone and that's something that we talk about often on this program Mm. is Mm. that that nobody's alone and they have to need all they need to do is just take that first step and reach out
4: for I love that concept that you that you, the message that is you know you're giving is talk to people, yeah. and I, I also think you know for anybody who's listening who's helping or around someone who's self harming, my my biggest word of advice, and I, I I'd be interested to hear what you think, is you know like just don't run for the hills, you know like stay with them, don't go running for help. Yeah. Obviously, life preservation is is the the key thing, yeah. but. But staying there and, and not reacting to the self-harm is a really key message. Well, I mean,
0: I guess you're right. You know, life preservation is the first thing, all right? Where it's, it's obviously, you know, if, you, if you're a bystander of a loved one or something and it is something seriously concerning, then yeah. put it out of your hands. and It is not worth your risk. Get them the help. Yes. And this is what I kind of mean for, for the affected, for the, for the, um, for the sufferer to, to reach out because the more people know you it can be so difficult to have any sort of agency Hmm. when you are suffering and even one word can set off a you know a chain that the person you're speaking to is, and just briefly mentioning 12-step program, it's like I'm not aware of one for this particular thing and, you know, the person you might not be talking to probably has no experience with yeah. it, but they might know someone who mm-hmm. can help you better. Yeah. And that chain begins. We just, yeah. you know, because it, I guess it comes back to how how's it going on your own, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> solving it, you know? Um, it's something, I guess, speaking of hope, it... It can be something that is no longer part of your life. Hmm. It it can stop. Yep. It requires work, but it can be a thing of the past.
4: Yeah.
2: Look, we, we have to uh, thank you so much, Tosh, for coming and telling such an honest and candid story oh, about incredibly brave. Past. Yeah, Exactly. Yes. That's something that we'd like to encourage here on, on Hooked, because it is a safe space that's as well. Brave. An important thing. Thank you so much, also Nurse Betty, for being here tonight.
4: Because, thank you for having me.
2: As we say, Russ and I <laughs> certainly aren't e- experts, but it's great to have you Nurse know Betty You know here. the
4: definition of an expert, don't you? Uh, X-, is X is, is
2: Betty. Betty.
4: an unknown quantity, and a sport's a uh, trip under pressure.
2: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. We hope that you enjoyed tonight's show and remind you that if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause you distress you can call Lifeline on 13 or Beyond Blue on 1300
3: 22 It is important to move away from self-destructive reasoning Recovery involves breaking the cycle of addiction, removing the trigger of negative thinking and restoring us to emotional sobriety. One of the greatest highs in life is feeling good about ourselves Always remember that none of us Are alone in this world, and that the first step in recovery is to ask for help.
2: We want our community to be one of hope and look forward to your company next week as we continue to explore addiction unhooked. Meanwhile, it's goodbye from Russ, goodbye, and it's goodbye from me, David, goodbye.
4: This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9.
0: Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au.